0: Another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Well, we've got another special episode, and well, it's actually going to be part of a special series, an ongoing series around golf rules. Golf rules are a topic that come up every time you play golf, and I've come to the realisation that I don't know enough about the golf rules. You think I would, but many, many, many of you out there are always looking to learn about golf rules. Well, I've found the perfect person to help us, Blakey. I know him as Blakey. You might know him as Golf Rules Questions. But Blakey is going to come on, on a, let's call it a semi-regular basis, and we're going to answer your hot topics in the golf rules world. Really lucky to have Blakey on board. He is one of the most knowledgeable people around golf rules in the globe, and Blakey is going to join us on the My Love of Golf podcast. It's going to be good, so sit back, relax, enjoy this episode with Blakey from Golf Rules Questions. Blakey, how are you, sir?
1: Very good, Ross. How are you?
0: Very good, mate. Very good, mate. I've just introduced you and I've said to the listeners that we're going to do this on a semi-regular basis because, well, I def- definitely don't know enough about the golf rules. you think that I would, but I know that the listeners are always asking questions and I told them that there's no one better in the planet to ask those questions and to answer those questions to is you. Blakey from Golf Rules Questions, welcome to the first segment of, what are we going to call it, Blakey? Roscoe and Blakey's Golf Rules Questions? <laughs>
1: I'm not, I'm not one for uh, being creative around titles but uh, we can work on that It's a, it's a <laughs> title and work.
0: I'll do the cre- I'll do the creative yeah. you do the answers. Hey mate uh, once again thanks, on. thanks for joining us. So some of the people that are listening may know you from your Instagram page. Golf rules questions, but uh, if you don't know Blakey, David Blake, Blakey, I'm, we're going to stick with. Give us the the elevator intro. We've we've just met on the golf course or in the elevator, coming up from the car park into the lovely clubhouse. And I go, "Good mate. How are you going? Who are you? How do you come back?"
1: Well, first things first, Ross. It'd be honoured to be playing at a golf course that has an elevator in the clubhouse. <laughs> I uh, can
0: there
1: only, is a, I can only there think of one. A out there. Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I have a love of golf, just like you. So that's a good start. How did I get into um, knowing the rules of golf? I worked out that accounting wasn't for me. Uh, After two years, um, I'd had enough of that. So I gave that away and somehow stumbled into being a referee, I guess. Uh, I sort of call myself a referee. It's the easiest way to describe it. But really, I'm just a sounding board for people asking questions via email and, and phone and also providing educational work shops through my job at golf australia so i used to be at golf victoria and now now we've merged uh, and i work at golf australia basically doing the same thing i don't play as much golf as i used to but i certainly am around it every day and and watching and learning and listening to people playing golf and and specifically around the rules of the game. Uh, Something that I've always had, it's a a strange realisation, but the rules of the golf have have always been something that I've been wanting to know or passionate about, I guess is what you'd say, slightly obsessed. And I remember doing my first rules exam, rules test, back when I was 15 years old.
0: Where was that? Was that that over here?
1: uh, No, that was in New Zealand. And I had no idea, I really had no idea what I was actually doing. Uh, it was just a case of, you know, I hated being out on the golf course and i bet you this happens to many of your listeners. I just hated being out on the golf course and someone would say, oh, you can't do that or did you know you could have dropped it here instead? And I was like, well, how am I supposed to learn this? And then, you know, I, got, I found out that I could go to a rules uh, exam. Have, have, you, like, have you ever thought to go to a rules test or a rules course, rules workshop?
0: Me personally? I have I have yeah. actually thought about it, you know, because I, I saw one of the members at the club who had been commented on about doing the maybe the level two course that uh, you yeah. run, and yep. I definitely saw it in the in the newsletter, and I thought, you know, that's a good thing to do to have more people who are in and around the club that are qualified to adjudicate and to be giving advice on the rules, so. I'd thought about it, but would it be something that I'd go and do? Maybe not. Probably not at my yes. age, and I probably just wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm one of the herd, mate. I'm not the I'm not the one that sort of comes out and says, you know, I'm actually going to do something about this in relation to golf rules. So no, but I think that's a great thing that people can do.
1: I know that in, um, this is just a little bit off topic, but I know that in some countries in Europe specifically, yeah. you have to have passed the rules test before you're allowed to actually play the game.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I think in Germany is one of those uh said yeah, countries yep. and some of the other like Scandinavian countries, like you have to have a golf licence. Yep.
1: Yeah, like, a golf license, that's right. Yeah, go on. We we don't we don't implement that implemented that here because that's just a massive barrier to entry. We want to get as many people playing the game as possible and then they'll learn the rules and they'll learn the code of conduct through other people that they play with. And the club hopefully is welcoming of them and able to teach them the rules as they go, basically. like How many sports are there out there that you actually learn the game, learn the rules as, as you play?
0: Well, there's not as many games with as many rules as we've got. You know, we're very rule dominated and rule oriented. I would, I would suggest so. But you know, all these other games have have rules officials and have, you know, they're encouraging people to go and learn rules like the footy rules officials. People, all the clubs are always trying to get more people involved. But at our level and our game, it is, I would imagine, a far more detailed set of topics that you're working with and around that people need to have a, a very well developed understanding of before they can be qualified to give advice on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the first and foremost principle of playing the game is that you know the rules of golf yourself, and then you have the honesty and integrity to play the game under those rules, because if you're not playing by the rules, then you're not actually playing the game of golf. If If you're just going out there socially, having a hit, then do you really need to Worry about the rules. No, if you're not handing a card in for handicapping or you're not playing in a competition, then uh, just go out and enjoy yourself. Don't damage the course in any untoward manner, but uh, yeah, just go out. Work on your game so that when you are playing in a competition, uh, you're playing um, to your best and playing under the rules of golf.
0: You know what? It just made me think because there's a number of times when come across players who are new to a club environment and I've been a member of two clubs down here in Victoria since I retook the game up. And they were new to the the competition environment, but they weren't new to golf, but they'd been playing in that social space, like you just articulated, playing with their mates. But they're all playing fairly competitively, whether they're playing for a buck or a beer or a cordial or whatever it is in a social environment. So they're, but they're all playing by their version of the rules, their understanding of the rules. So when they, when they make the next step into club land because, you know, the guys at the footy club or the cricket club have said, mate, you should come and play comp with us because it's awesome. We bet for 100 bucks and we have a heap of beers at the end. They bring, they bring those social rules and, and someone always has to be the breaker of the, the news to say, oh, mate, that's actually not where you take the drop or that's not how you take relief when you lose the ball. You know, you you actually over, when you're out of bounds, you actually have to go back to the tee. You don't don't drop one up near the fence. And I don't know. Is that something you've, you you think happens? Is that
1: oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've just uh, detailed golf in Australia. Yeah. People will say, oh, I don't really play by the rules. You know, oh, the rules are so confusing. I don't need to worry about them. You know, let's just get on and play. But. Those same people they'll hold some versions of the rules. As you said, they've sort of crafted their own rules. They'll hold them in, in high esteem, you know. Oh, you can't do this, you can can do this. But then the, the ones that they haven't learned learnt, they don't really hold them in such high esteem. So they are playing by a set of rules and they are playing quite rigidly with them. You know, even yeah. if, if it's for a dollar, it's just the fact that because as you said before, the rules of golf can be quite complicated. There's no doubting that they are complicated, and um, they have tried to make them, you know, lessen off their complication, their confusion, decrease their confusion a little bit with their update um, that happened at the start of last year. But if you think about it, I mean, you've got to say you have a tennis court, the tennis court dimensions don't change day to day, the net's always the same height, the width. For a singles match is always the the same in the length. You play on clay or grass or or hard court, so there's three different surfaces. When was the last time you saw a toilet in the middle of a tennis court? Like, there's there's toilets, there's buildings, there's sand traps, there's water that's supposed to be there, there's water that's not supposed to be there, there's grass that's growing and grass it's not growing and tree roots are there and of course if you have trees you're going to have tree roots so but people want some somehow want relief from them
0: strange colored paint marks on the ground know yeah, there's some white circles and there's some yellow circles and then there's some red lines and yellow bits of wood and white bits of wood and red bits of wood and all this crazy stuff that you know i think people yes. people don't fully understand even still lateral and
1: yes yeah, spot on there's just so much that uh, makes up a game of golf, makes up a golf course. That you know, you need to have a rule for for every situation, or at least ninety percent of those situations, you need to have a rule for. Because we have a saying uh, on the pro circuit that there's an eighty percent chance that you know a five percent situation will happen eighty percent of the time. It's sort of that Murphy's law type yeah. situation. You know, we, we've been 60 metres off the edge of the fairway marking out of bounds just in case that one time someone hits it that far left or that far over the back of the green. You know, if you don't mark it, it'll happen. I had a situation uh, about four years ago, PGA Championship in Australia, where we'd gone around, we'd done a course inspection. One of the holes had a brick wall. Now, the brick wall was, it was like the, the rough was down at my, you know, here, and then the the brick wall went up to about my chest, and then from that brick wall was the person's lawn, so the neighbouring house of the course, their lawn, so you can, you know, you, it's almost head height where the chairs and tables were, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so the rule at the time was balls out of bounds once it goes past the brick wall, not say if you have two stakes for an out of bounds, um, all of the ball has to be past the coarse side of the stakes. Mm -hmm. right? Whereas for a brick wall at the time, you actually have to be on the other side or past the outside of the brick wall yeah the out of bounds side not the inside not the course side the outside you know that sounds confusing in itself but this ball actually happened to be happened to end up on top of the wall kind of on top of the wall and kind of um actually in this person's lawn and so was it out of bounds was it in bounds we deemed that it was out of bounds eventually but uh
0: so the player was yeah. the player was arguing. If you get your theodolite out and laser measure it, there's a there's a dimple worth of ball. Still yeah. on the on the on the brick wall side of the of the the wall, therefore it's you know a dimple worth in bounds. Is that what the argument was yeah. in that case?
1: In this case, it was a little bit simpler because I was standing there and I just said it's out of bounds. But looking at it afterwards, you know, then you you double guess, or you second guess yourself, and you are like, oh, was that was that correct? So we had a chat about afterwards. The players oblivious to this, he wasn't arguing. He didn't, you know, he'd had a terrible shot, yeah. but you know, once the ball, it's just funny because. But that incident would have never occurred. I would have never had the second guess, uh, because the, the year prior and the five years prior to that, they'd put a white paint line at the bottom of the brick wall, meaning that it was guaranteed to be out where yeah. that ball was. So yeah. it was just it just so happened that we didn't do in the course setup, they didn't put the white line, and then so suddenly the, the brick wall was the outside of the brick wall, not the inside.
0: So, mate, you just but, mentioned you just mentioned the that was at the Australian PGA and as part mm-hmm. of your you know this um, your introduction to the mile of golf listeners. What are some of the other tournaments that uh, you and your role have been able to or expected to officiate and participate at? Uh,
1: so, within my role, um, I've obviously got the Australian Women's Open in Adelaide the last five years, uh, the Australian Men's Open, which has been in Sydney for the last uh, oh nearly ten years. I think I've done about seven of them. And this year it's at uh, Kingston Heath uh, in Melbourne, uh, if it goes ahead. Hopefully everything's right in its rain by the uh, end of November. So those two, then the Vic Open, which has gotten a lot bigger in recent years. Uh, then work with the PGA, the PGA Tour of Australasia on their PGA Championship. Fiji International, which is maybe coming back, who knows. Uh, the New Zealand Open—it's probably my favorite tournament. The New Zealand Open—I didn't get there this year, uh, but I had done it the last five years. It's basically a big pro am, but it's—it's it's an awesome tournament in a amazing region of the world, uh, uh, Queenstown.
0: Just let you know that one of the previous winners has been a, a guest on the uh, Mile of Golf podcast previously. Just uh, you know, Matty Griffin. Shout out to Matty Griffin. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's—he's well, he's quite a successful uh, golfer around Australia and also up in um, Japan as well. Absolutely. I have. Last year, I had the amazing opportunity to go and work with the European Tour for four tournaments in a row. So I've, I've worked with them previously, just um, as I mentioned, with the Vic Open and the Australian PGA. So tournaments in um, Australia or around Australia. But I, last year, I got to go and uh, referee at the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. Uh, amazing. We had amazing weather, uh, huge crowds every day. They also put on a music festival on the weekend, uh, so that was unbelievable. Then the Dunhill Links, so that's sort of similar to the New Zealand Open or AT and T. the pro am, yeah,
0: Pebble Beach, yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, Because they they do a few courses. They do Carnoustie, St Andrews, the old course, and Kingsbarns. So I was refereeing at Kingsbarns for three days and then refereed at St Andrews. Then the Spanish Open and the Italian Open. So that was amazing. I was actually supposed to be leaving on Monday, this coming Monday, for the Dowl match play, Austin, Texas. Uh, But obviously, with everything that's going on, that is uh, being canned at this stage.
0: Yeah, we are recording this in the midst of uh, the coronavirus uh, stuff that's going on and golf's basically being cancelled all around the world. So it's a challenging time. You know, Blakey and uh, all his colleagues are working from home, as are many people. So, yeah, it was obviously sad to hear that all the golf's been cancelled. But, uh, you know, sad for you, mate, that you won't get to go across there and do that. But I'm sure that those opportunities will quickly come back. Uh, The BMW um, in uh, Wentworth, anything... Was there a standout situation that happened there? Something rings my rings my bell that something happened there that's worth talking about, but I, I can't really remember. I know I remember Danny Willett was the winner, and uh, yeah. my guy Rocket uh, likes to call the runner up the Thumb. Now I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with Rocket's names, but John Rahm he refers to as the Thumb. Um, he reckons he looks like a thumb, but I I, I can't see it myself. But you know that's what Rocket name Rocket names is actually hashtag Rocket names is a thing. But, uh, was there anything that st- anything that stood out there?
1: Apart from the amazing weather, the fact that for myself the music festival on the Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, it was it was raining on the Sunday, but people still turned up. What's his name, Ross Fisher? Yeah. H- hold out for albatross on the 18th to win BMW Speedster.
0: Was the P yeah. was P Reed, You know, we we couldn't have a rules discussion without going to P Reed, But P Reed was like. T- T four in that that was before. Yes, he, he's had yeah, new, well, he, look. I'm gonna. We've said it numerous times, and there's that many podcasts that have said it. He's <laughs> had numerous rules and fractions along the journey, but that was before that he had the uh, the sand issue. Yeah,
1: yeah, the sand issue was end of November because that was in the Bahamas. Yeah, that's right. And that was you know, and then he had to come to Australia. Oh, it might yeah, might have been actually mid December. Oh, that's right. It was. It was at Tiger Woods' tournament mid December in the Bahamas. And so then he had to come to the Presidents Cup the week after and he, he actually, you know, he did really well there. He was he was a bit of a, a mess uh in the in the um USA team, but you know, they rallied round him and um he he was able to fight his way through and had a superb victory in the in the singles, much to every international fan's dis uh disliking. So
0: So can, before we get into you know, what I explained to the listeners at the start is that we might do this on a you know, somewhat semi-regular basis and, and we'll engage with our, our guys and, and try and get some questions and, you know, use it as a real uh, tool for people to, if we can provide some benefit in, in learning the rules, let's do it through through here and we'll get you back on, whether it's once or every few weeks. So I would like yeah. to maybe just start start off with, let's talk about the rule changes that happened this year because I, I still think that there's some questions uh, around that and then we might answer some you know, talk about some of the little quirky things that we've you know, uncovered. Like while we while we raise, you know, P Reid. As I said, we're always going to talk about it because it's the most, you know, obvious and topical sort of rules infraction. What was the story there, mate? You know, from your industry perspective, you saw the vision as millions of us did around the world. What was going on there?
1: So with the Patrick Reid thing, it was in uh, Tiger's tournament in the Bahamas, uh, mid December, and he's in a waste bunker. It's it's not a bunker. It is sand, but it's not a bunker because it's not maintained as a bunker. There's no rake there. Uh, in case you have a shot, it's a waste bunker. So you are allowed to ground your club in the sand in a waste bunker. You can touch the sand lightly, you know, in taking your club away in the backswing, which is unlike a bunker. But he's gone and tried to work out what shot he's going to play. He's got a wedge in his hand and he's what looks to be deliberately swept some sand away twice from behind his ball. Now, you, that's a, you know, the the rules breach is that he's improved his conditions affecting the stroke. The only way he'd get out of that was if it was two meters away or a meter away, you know, outside of that area of intended swing or outside the lie of the ball. But it was pretty close to the ball. So there's, there's really a breach there. Now, if you sort of accidentally did that, you'd incur the penalty and you just say, Oh, I didn't even realise. His defense was it was a bad camera angle. So to most people listening to that, suddenly they were like, Oh, hang on, he's he's not trying to just say he's not just trying to say that he it was an accident and take the penalty. He's trying to say it never actually happened that way and, you know, millions of people are watching the way that it actually happened. So uh, he he sort of got himself into trouble then in terms of the public um, outcry because, you know, as we talked about before, the game is built on integrity and honesty and to most people that didn't seem like a high level of integrity.
0: My guy Rocket also has another name for uh, one of the other players, Matt Coochie, he calls him Steam Shovel. yeah. So there was another, you know, wasteland-type uh, scenario there where he was allowed to move loose impediments. Now, to yep. to many of us, when he when he moved the loose impediments around the ball, it would appear that he was moving, you know, multiple grains of sand. And by the time he had finished moving the loose impediments, he had effectively, in my vision, improved his life. He built a little track around the back of the ball. So, you know, from, from the golfer's perspective, you know, who are listening, Yeah. You now he can then for therefore get his leading edge of the club into that ball and hit a much more effective shot rather than a shot where there's sand between the ball and the club face now that was deemed to be okay as well
1: see that that one there um was it deemed to be okay it was
0: well there was a rules official standing there watching him do it,
1: yeah, and some players it's probably easier to go this way. some <laughs> players uh will try on everything hmm and so. You know, the, the, the players going, oh, is this okay? Is this okay? And and sort of not giving the referee a chance to actually speak. And then the last thing the referee would want would be to say, oh, sorry, you've, you're penalised when yeah. they were watching the whole thing. Yeah. So, uh, and Matt seems to be, again, getting a bit of a reputation for pushing the boundaries of the rules.
0: Mm.
1: And unfortunately, it's... Coming across uh, detrimental to his public persona. How, yeah, persona. How the public view him. So the referee didn't necessarily agree with what he did, but was of the opinion that she's uh, she's right there and didn't want to provide uh, give Matt a penalty when she was supposed to be supervising what he was actually doing. Now he was trying uh, in a reasonable manner to remove the loose impediments, the bigger pebbles. Mm. Um, it just it just so happened that he unreasonably removed some of the smaller pebbles or more commonly known as grains of sand, which are not loose impediments
0: well, let, uh, or
1: well let's, not permitted
0: to be moved. Well, let's bring this right back to your everyday golfer level on a Saturday at the club. The example being is, and you see this, unfortunately, occasionally you see it at Clubland. The player's ball is, you know, he's hit a cut off the tee. It's out there on a on a hard pan surface, a bit of dirt. The player walks up, moves the twigs, moves the leaves. That's all cool. And then unceremoniously just then grabs maybe you know a couple of fingers and just goes wipe, wipe, wipe. And, you know, a little bit of cloud of dust comes up and they've effectively moved the top layer of the soil off, therefore providing better access to the back end of the ball. And they just would think that that's just... Okay, loose impediments, but it's absolutely not.
1: No, that's that's right. Your um, sand or dirt is not a loose impediment. So yeah. if if you're doing that kind of action, then you're probably doing it for a reason, um, and that reason would be to improve your lie. So therefore, improving your lie or for improving your conditions affecting the stroke under Rule Eight Point One, you'd be incurring a general penalty. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if your ball is in such a situation, it basically just play as it lies, leave it alone. You don't have to even ground your club in those situations um, and just play it. Or if you want, just take an unplayable. But I think what you're sort of leaning towards is what we sort of talked about before about, you know, there's some rules that people are sticklers for and there's some rules which are a bit more lenient and. You know that that club golfer, he goes out on a Saturday, he wants to enjoy his round. Suddenly, he's got dog poo on his ball. Uh, he's not going to say, you know, he's going to say to his fellow competitors, "Oh, surely I get a drop here. This is this is I can't be having dog poo on my ball." The rule, the rule states players that lies or taken unplayable, but he's just out there playing, or she's just out there playing once a week, out there to enjoy her golf. She doesn't want to be having to deal with uh, the situation that's not normally there, so yeah. you can see how some people just sort of stretch the rules to their their benefit.
0: And just just talking about the pro the pros there for a minute, you know, we've picked on we've picked on the two obvious ones, you know, we haven't brought yeah. anything new to the table there. But you know, for every couple of examples like that, and there's only you know a couple that you can think about in recent times. There's plenty of examples of pros who have. You know, lost tournaments, uh, and I forget the guy's name. You may remember it, but the guy at uh, town that was in the the eighteenth on the left hand side, you know, was in a position yes. to get up and down, and you know, you couldn't even see it. And the ball, he just called it, called it. No one saw it. No one saw it. There wasn't any official there, and he just called himself on it and lost the tournament. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, you know, there was. Um, I love to say his name's Brian Davis or something like I think,
0: that. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean that was amazing. You know, he, if he had touched, because this was back when the water hazard days, when you couldn't ground your club, and then he uh, touched a yeah, he touched a loose, I think he touched a loose impediment in the water hazard, and and so then he um, incurs the
0: the penalty, what,
1: what we call now the general penalty, the two shots, and and so obviously he lost the tournament, but uh, came second because that was in the playoff. Yeah, I think it was. Brian Davis. He's had a couple because yeah. I've had him. I've put him on my um, on my rules channel a couple of times. I think he had he's had about three rulings um, that I know of
0: that have gone um, the gone the other way. The one
1: was okay. That one there, and then there was another one that was just a funny. It was just a funny one or a stupid one. It might have been like uh, his ball was on the green and it and a bird stole it or something like that. You know something. <laughs>
0: Something stupid. Yeah, There was a few of those too. We might leave the uh, the bird stealing the ball rule officiating for uh, the future episode. But you know, you mentioned the touching and the what was now, a, um, what was then a water hazard. The rules of golf changed significantly at the start of this start of this year.
1: Uh, start of last. Start of last
0: year. Sorry. I think that there are still a number of people that you know haven't grasped some of the changes. Um, still walk around most weeks, you know, with sort of second guessing. What were the key things that changed in the rules of golf at the start of last year, Blakey?
1: So one of the key things was the uh, flag stick, which I think is amazing or really good means that you can actually leave the flag stick in when you're putting on the putting green. You know, when you make a stroke at a ball on the putting green, you can actually hit the flag stick that's in the hole unattended and there's no penalty. Uh, it's such a simple change, and it really hasn't – it's been so good for the game. A lot of people came out and said, oh, who are damaging the hole. There was a little bit of that where you let, where people were leaving a flagstick in to retrieve their ball, which is annoying, and then by doing that, they were damaging the hole. Then the R&A came out and said, well, we can change the equipment standards, and that just happened at the start of this year, and you can put one of those um, uh, flimsy cuts or whatever at the bottom of the – the flagstick that you can, that actually pulls the ball out. Um, so a few clubs and courses have introduced that. But um, the flagstick, you know, if you're on the green 40 foot away, everyone else is grabbing their putter and you just you're ready to play. You can just you know you could just play before you would sort of just have to wait and wait till someone had to attend or remove the flagstick. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter anymore. You just, just play, and if you hit if you manage to hole a 40 footer. You know, fantastic. That's you don't have don't have to worry about hitting the flagstick. Uh, You'll see now because of that change, not many people actually attend the flagstick anymore. Maybe on the pro circuit, but uh, club golf you hardly have it. See anyone attend the flagstick? They either just leave it in and leave it out, which means less people hanging around the hole, and less chance of that hole building up like a volcano at the end of the day and, you know, those three footers become a little bit tougher. So that's a good one. Another one was repairing damage on the putting green. So, you you know, you have spike marks or uh, pitch marks. You could always repair pitch marks, but you didn't know whether it was a spike mark or a pitch mark. You can go ahead and and repair spike marks. Any damage that's caused by uh, someone, person or outside influence, Uh, provided it's not in normal maintenance practices from the green green staff. So that was a good change. Uh, The penalty areas is a massive change. Uh, You can default penalty areas to be red. They don't have to default as yellow. So that's really good. So you can get that lateral drop anywhere. So just
0: explain explain the difference there between that red and yellow and what you're talking
1: about there. With yellow, the easiest way to think about it is with yellow it's – the design of a yellow water hazard is perpendicular to your line of play. So the challenge is you have to hit over it. Mm-hmm. Whereas a red one, the design is parallel to the line of play. So the challenge is don't hit sideways. Mm-hmm. So that's what, it's, that's what it's been for hundreds of years. And then they thought about it and they're like, well, you know, it's not going to happen at Augusta. They're going to keep keep them as yellow. But at other courses where it's they're not too fussed about that kind of design, and you spin your ball back in um, to a red penalty area. You can actually drop on the other side, closer to the green. Does, that, does that make sense? So the yellow goes across. Yep. Red goes up and down. And for a yellow one, you you have two. You have your option of playing as it lies, or you have two penalty options: go back to your last place played, or back on a line, or, or within one club length of a line, back behind the yellow penalty area. In line with the point at last point of entry in the flag, so those are your two penalty options. With the red one, you have those two penalty options plus the lateral relief, which is dropping within two club lengths, no closer to the hole, of the last point of
0: entry. So, example being, I don't know if you remember the uh, if you remember the first hole, South Course at Peninsula. Uh, yes. So we have the hazard on the side of the green. Directly on the side of the green. So it's almost like the putting surface goes up to the, is the definition of the hazard.
1: See, I remember the old one. I actually didn't see it last week when we, we played there. Um,
0: the south course, the, it's red. It's a short par, yeah, it's a short like almost, yeah, it's almost
1: a drivable par four, but you never dry and drive yeah. it.
0: So Mike the, the ha- so Cockings put the water water hazard right on the abutted edge of the, the first green. Yep. So you're chipping over that hazard ball lands on the green and to use your example you rip it back off and it goes yep. into the hazard yep you you therefore are dropping on the green
1: is it yellow or red
0: I'm sure it's red
1: so if it's red as long as it's no nearer the hole uh, within two club links of that last point of entry could if that's on the green then you can drop on the green
0: yep so then if yeah. so that's if your yeah. ball's travelling over the hazard and you rip it back off the green and it comes into the so the point of entry is your the, last
1: point of entry.
0: So it's landed on the green and spun backwards towards you, the point of entry mm-hmm. is on on the green side, is that correct? Correct. So then if you're playing from the other side of the green and you scun one over the green past the hole and then into the creek. Okay, that's good. Yep, yeah, I got that because your point of entry. So you, your point of entry is on the green side, so, lark, you can, so it is possible. It is possible to drop it on the green.
1: Yes, it is. There are a few situations where you can drop your ball on the green
0: because it's just a weird feeling. <laughs> Rules aside, it's, it's weird. Just a weird feeling to be able to drop a ball onto the green.
1: If you if you have that last point of entry and part of say the first club length is just the fringe, yes. so the general the general area, yeah, and the second club length is the green. Yes. If you drop your ball and it hits the green and within the relief area and rolls onto the fringe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to drop it again. So right. it must stay. You're allowed to drop in either area, but it must stay in the area that it first touched. Yep. When you dropped. So if you drop it in the fringe and it rolls onto the green, you've got to redrop. And then you could choose to drop it on the green and then if it rolls off you get to place it.
0: Yeah, right. So you, if you dropped it in the fringe and then had to re-drop because it's rolled back into the the hazard, yeah. and then you say, well, I'm going to move it over there a foot, and it's, that's dropping it on the green, and it stays on the green, then you're putting. You are putting. Yeah, cool.
1: I mean, even if it rolled off into the fringe, I'd putt because I can't chip. <laughs> I mean, you're,
0: you're the biggest, you know, your, band, your ba- golf banditry will come out in this uh, series of podcasts, you know, if, <laughs> I'm not going to give it away now, but, uh, you know, you're the, you're the best, sweetest ball-striking 10-handicapper that I've seen. But, you yeah, know, that's, that's a story <laughs> for another day. Um, but the other thing in the penalty areas there, which are now called penalty areas, not water hazards, is that you can ground your club.
1: Ground your club. I mean, amazing. I didn't think, I, I didn't think I'd like this, and now I just don't care. I'm like, fantastic. It means less things that I have to look out for when I'm refereeing
0: yep what uh, int- you
1: take practice swings move loose impediments it's yeah it's brilliant
0: loose impediments in the bunker there's another one so well, i i yeah asked you a question about that so little rocks That's and right. cigarette butts and you know leaves. you can just move all that very carefully, just place it out of the way as long as you're not. Removing sand and altering the lie, but you can remove those rocks and those nasty little gremlins that would sometimes you know, be responsible for damaging your new clubs, and you might have to come down and see me and get some new ones. Um, but things <laughs> like things like that, you can move that as long as it's not embedded in the sand. Is that right? Or
1: no, you can because uh, there's not many things that would be embedded in the sand. Yeah, um, you know that it'd have to be pretty deep down, uh, but just be careful when you move it. Um, you know, you can take reasonable action to move it. I think what you're getting at is don't move this piece of stone and sweep behind your ball in the action of doing it. Yeah. That would be un- unreasonable. And and just watch out that you don't cause your ball to move as well. Yeah. If you cause your ball to move on the bunker, uh, you know, there's, it's most likely that you're going to incur a penalty for that.
0: What are the other main changes that people are still asking you questions about in relation to the changes?
1: Uh, drop uh, the, the dropping height. So you're dropping from knee height now, not shoulder height. Uh, a lot of people have had a lot of um, queries about, "Oh, I've got a sore back. I don't. I can't lean down that far." Uh, you know, you don't. You don't have to be bending over. You can actually squat if you want to. You can actually. You can be on your knees you can be lying down um you don't actually have to be bending over from your back a lot of people said oh it should be between knee and hip height you know it's easier just to say knee height and people will be there or thereabouts i mean your your knee can stretch you know a fair a fair way (laughs) so uh
0: folks it looks it looks weird but it's really easy to do (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's 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 one of the easiest ones. You know, they thought about doing it from um any height above the ground, as long as it wasn't touching something. And then they thought about it and go and they were like, Oh, that would look so stupid on the T V if someone's trying to drop exactly on a piece of uh pure turf just so that they can hit a three wood, you know, a Patrick Reed three wood into a green or something like that. Um, so they were like no we'll get rid of that and just say knee height now you don't it doesn't ha- you don't have to show that it's from your knee it just has to be knee height when you're standing
0: yeah.
1: uh, so that's one of them and then the other one now this is really important this is a local rule now I know you don't have it at PK uh, but this is a local rule that clubs can bring in I reckon I've seen about or heard of about 30 to 33 percent of clubs have bought this local ruin so you know there's nearly 70 percent of clubs out there that don't have this local rule and that is the alternative (laughs) okay hard to get that one out alternative (laughs) to stroke and distance uh for a ball that's lost or a ball that's gone out of bounds
0: so that includes Uh, i had this uh come up on sunday actually at, at uh at Kingston Heath with uh, a mate of mine, John, who's a member down there and was kind enough to have me down, which was nice. So the par five, I can't remember the, the number, the one that runs along the side of the market gardens. and Number 12. Number 12, there you go. And a playing partner who, who was actually uh, a golf pro, there was some consternation about, you know, he'd hit it left, whether it was out of bounds or lost, and the consternation was, you can only take the two shot penalty at the point of exit where it definitely went out of bounds. But the consternation was where if it was lost, can you do the two shot penalty at the point where you think it was lost? You follow me?
1: Uh, yes. So yep. he, so,
0: he snap hooked at what I thought was out of bounds. Yep. But it could have been lost. But we just didn't and, know exactly and where. And
1: they, they have the local rule in play there.
0: Oh no! And that that part I didn't know. I don't think we were playing in the comp. So. Um, no, I, I wasn't playing the comp. They must have the local rule because they were talking about it and they were members of Kingston Heath. so I, I, don't, okay, so I don't know. I wasn't yeah. playing in the comp, so you know, for me I was just whatever. Let's
1: say the situation was where the local rule had been adopted. Yeah. Now, is there still a penalty area down the left-hand side of 12?
0: Yeah, much smaller, and I talked about that. I sh- yeah, I said, it's
1: just a, yeah, it's just a creek. Yeah. It's basically just a drain, actually. It hardly ever has water in it. Correct. Now, so this is a very interesting situation you've got here because if you hit it left, if it's gone into the penalty area or you think it's gone into the penalty area, you have to have at least 95% virtual certainty that it's gone in there. Mm -hmm. Then you would proceed under the penalty area relief options if you can't find your ball, Or even if you could find your ball, you can proceed under the penalty area relief options. Now, part of those, or what we just talked about before, it's a red penalty area part of the penalty area relief options that you can go down there and take a a lateral drop within two club lengths for a one-stroke penalty. Now, if you don't have that virtual certainty, you can, because there's out-of-bounds there and there's also long grass where you could lose your ball, you can play a provisional off the tee Mm -hmm. or you can just walk down there and say, and if the local rules have been adopted, you can just walk down there and go, okay, I can't find it. We don't know if it's lost or out-of-bounds. Just estimate it, okay? So if you think it's out of bounds, estimate that this is the point that it's out of bounds. Uh, You go to the fairway, the nearest fairway side, and then you get two club links into the fairway plus all that area from the out of bounds back to the, basically back to the, as far as you want to go. And you can drop your ball within that spot for a So two-shot penalty, you'd be playing your fourth. It's not, you, you don't just get, you don't just have the, the fairway to drop within. You could drop it in the rough if you really wanted to.
0: So you can drop it two club lengths onto the fairway from two club lengths and then back to the point where you think it's lost. So, yeah, you know, that could be 20, 30 metres. Where,
1: where you think where you think it's out of bounds. Yeah. Okay, so this is the one for if we think it's out. If we think it's across the fence, yep. it's from the point where it's crossed the fence on an arc. So if the think where we think it's crossed the fence is 300 to the green, then we'd be going to the edge of the fairway 300. Plus two club links, no close to the hole, and we've got that whole area back towards the tee in which to drop. Okay, so that now, was a, that was
0: the can... part that I wasn't sure of on Sunday. There you go. I've learned something now. That so, can you actually drop so that, on near the fairway? You can.
1: Yeah, you can. And then and, uh, then if it's if it's lost, it's the same process. But instead of saying this is the point where it crossed out of bounds, we're just saying this is the spot where it should be. Mm-hmm. This is the exact spot where it should be. Now you do the exact same. Process back to the fairway, Mm -hmm. but you also have two club links from that spot away from the fairway, so towards the fence.
0: Right.
1: So you have you always have two club links left, and you always have two club links right.
0: Gotcha.
1: Okay. So so two club links away from the fairway, two club links into the fairway from that um, equidistant spot, and that's going to cost you two. So you'll be playing your fourth now. So (laughs) that's that. That's if that's, that local rule has been adopted.
0: So just to re-clarify, there's 30 metres between the boundary fence and the edge of the fairway. This yep. is the out-of-bounds example, 30 metres, and in that 30 metres it's all junk. You can bring your ball to the edge of the fairway, mark out from the, you know, you've got 200 to go to the green, so 200 to go to the green from the edge of the fairway, Two, two fairways, uh, two clubs across, and you can drop it on the fairway. From thirty out yeah, you know, from the outer point, which was thirty meters directly to your side,
1: if the local rules in play, if the yes. local rules in play, yeah,
0: okay, that's the part that I didn't really get my fully fully grasped because I, obviously I've never played it because it's not in play at PK and I've not played at any other course in a competitive that's, environment that has it in play. There you go.
1: You you won't find it on any um, professional tour. I tell you that. No, definitely not. <laughs> I, I, the, the main reason I say every time I say, "Ah, oh, if the local rule is adopted, I make sure because it came, you know, that local rule came out and there was a lot of people saying, oh, it's a rule of golf now. Yeah. It's, it, it's not a rule of golf. If you, there's another one. If you hit your provisional, so you hit one left and then you hit a provisional, you can, you cannot use that E5 for your original ball. You can use the E5 for your provisional if you don't find it. Mm-hmm but you can't use it for your original. Once you hit a provisional, you lose the option of the E5 local rule.
0: Right, so you can't take so, you can't take either or. There's no best of both worlds. You can't say, well, the provisional's actually actually not as good as where I get the chance to drop it for because I only scunned my provisional 20 metres off the tee, so I'd actually rather drop up where I hit it out of bounds and take two shots. You can't do that.
1: Spot on. So let's, let's go through that situation. So he's hit one left, a big ball, but left could be lost not in the penalty area could be lost not in the penalty area so he goes oh, i'll hit a provisional hits a provisional just to the start of the fairway, you know 50 meters off the t but in a or well, let no they say they hit it not in the fairway, but in the in the crap and then they not sure if they're going to find that they now are three off the t and their only options are either a hit another provisional or b take e5 if their local rule has been adopted for the provisional, so say they did that, they dropped in and the, they got to the drop it in the fairway, you no know, closer to the hole. Obviously, uh, three off the tee plus the two, they'd be now hitting their six, and and then they'd uh, hit one right in the uh, tee tree there and lose their ball again and walk <laughs> for the next. Oh <laughs> <there. laughs>
0: uh, dear, and and uh, the whole pace of play thing's out of the window. Bang, go on, you got people on the tee. uh dear. Mate, there's probably a dozen other rules that we could sit down and go through. Uh, they just keep popping up into my mind as I talk and as we talk. And I think that's going to be the beauty of, you know, if we can keep doing this type of uh, segment where we just get straight into rules, we'll get some topics, cover them off, I think the people are going to get a lot of value out of uh, listening to us. You know, like I, I, now I'm talking to you, I think about it coming across and I'll just leave, leave you with a, an example of you know, our social golfers. I was in my business the other day and I was talking to a chap on the putting green and probably had one of the worst putting tremors, you know, with his hand that I'd ever seen. You know, it was unfortunately scary to look at. And, you know, I felt some pain for the guy and I started talking to him and, you know, I just wanted to make sure that he could find a putter that he enjoyed and, you know, a couple of little tips and I'd get the pro involved and and really trying to send him away in a better place. And he said, oh... Yeah, I've been using a, a broomstick putter. Oh, okay, cool. And I was immediately drawn to the fact, well, why would you want to change if you've got, you know, this tremor? You know, broomsticks were designed to stop that. He said, but I went to this golf tournament for MC Labour Hire and my mate said, no, nah, mate, you can't use that. So I just put it in the car. He said, because I've always carried two putters in case someone doesn't like me using it. And I said, well, why'd you do that? He said, well, he told me I couldn't use it because this was a – you know, a corporate day and, a, and, a, and an Ambrose comp, and, you know, they wanted to win. I said, hang about, you're allowed to use a broomstick. And he was blown away by the fact that you can actually still use the broomstick. I said, the rules now are you can't anchor it, and there's a bit of consternation around that, you know, what in, what people view as anchoring you, know, especially with the TV, but, mate, if you've been using a broomstick, you can use it. And he was just like, it was like his, you know, obviously I didn't sell him a putter after that, it was like his whole world was just returned on its head and he was going to go out and play and have some joy because he realized he could still use his part of the way that he was doing it. But he turned up to a golf comp and his mate said, no, you can't use that. Get that away. Not using that here because we want to win and, you, and they're illegal. It was, it was ridiculous. That's, that's your world.
1: That's, that's uh, quite, quite incredible, but definitely not uncommon. I mean, most people learn the rules of golf through the people they play with. they, They don't, and I have nothing against them. I mean, I I know the resources are there. I know how easy they are to access. Uh, Interpreting them is a little bit tougher. I'll give them that. But I know how hard they are to access. Uh, uh, Sorry, how easy they are to access. You know, you just get told a myth. I actually started a thing on Golf Rules Questions about Golf Rules myths and just, you know, how people just think, like, uh, another one for you. You, you actually uh, the myth was uh, you're not allowed to borrow anyone else's golf balls on the golf course you know I was having a shocking day the other day with playing with you if I'd run out of golf balls and said oh sorry guys I'm all out of golf balls I I gotta just walk to the clubhouse now I mean that would be a bit stupid so you I would actually be able to borrow a golf ball from you or you know whoever else was we were playing with that day uh, so there, there's another one you know you, you're allowed to borrow uh, as long as it's not their ball and play but you're allowed to borrow other people's equipment and it, it then becomes your equipment
0: so we were talking um, about the the difference of some of the professional golf rules and the pga and they're their own sort of entity in many regards we were talking about that sort of sort of off air but you know is that the example that people might be drawing from there where you know the john daly at the lakes circumstance comeback back comes to mind where he just you know, the tin cup moment where he just kept lining up and putting balls in the drink and then he ran out of balls and said, right, that's it boys, I'm out of balls because it's different in the pr- professional world. Is that true? Uh,
1: yeah, they have to use the same ball. So I actually, and that, and it's called the one ball condition. I actually, that's not only the, the, LPGA don't have that one anymore but the PGA Tour certainly do. I actually had this happen in Fiji uh, about three or four years ago and a player, you know, professional on the Thursday was having just a shocking game. Just so happened that, he was down to his last ball playing the 15th hole, which is a short par three. So we all thought, oh, well, he'll get through that. But the 16th hole is quite a tough, it's actually the number one hardest hole on the course. So um, he might be needing a ride back to the clubhouse pretty soon. So then he goes with a wedge in his hand, he goes about shanking his tee shot on the par three 15th and lost his ball. So we found, we actually asked one of the other players, I'm You know, we were going around the other groups asking the other players if they had a ball that they could spare for this player. And he wasn't using a Titleist Pro-V, which everyone else is using. He was using a Shrickson Z-Star. So we only sort of found one other player out in the golf course that was using this type of ball. So we got one ball. He he threw us one ball, and we got this one ball back to this player. (laughs) Anyway, he'd been waiting sort of two minutes so we docked him a couple of shots for um, undue delay, oh. which, he, which he was a bit miffed about. But we were we, we were thinking, mate, you're having such a shocking score. Was was another two actually matter? Anyway, he manages to sky this shot on the 16th, um, carried at 185 and just carried the water. Ended up hitting up near the green, chipped on and made the putt for par. And we were going, oh, well, it was what's it you know we're going to drug test that bull (laughs) Uh, then then I'm sitting halfway down 17 and he hooks one into the bunda on 17 and you know for all money this ball was dead I was digging in there like a rabbit and getting cut up and scratches and stuff and I sort of you know stuck my hand up they could only see my hand I was like oh I found it so we threw I threw it back to him, and he takes his drop from point of entry and sort of hits one down It's par five down there hits another one sort of near the green and just at the front edge holds this like twenty five foot of a par. We're like, oh, he's got one hole to go he he can make this you know what does he doing eighteen hooks it left <laughs> game like five, five minutes spent searching, and that was game over, game and night. i said oh, i can i can you're disqualified now, but uh." I can give you a ride back to the clubhouse, which we could see from the 18th fairway, and he said, oh, don't worry about it. (laughs) I said, yeah, probably a bit of soul-searching there. Oh, dear. Uh,
0: All those those skills of uh, your 15-year-old self uh, searching for balls coming to the fore there on the 17th hole. (laughs) 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 Yes.
1: And another one, just one really quickly, about the pro game versus the amateur game. On the pro circuit, it's very common to have the local rule saying that you can't practice on the putting green after you play the hole. So you'll never see a pro miss like a six-footer, tap it in and then drag their ball back and have another go at the six-footer, unless you're watching match play like, well, the Dell match play, which would be on next week, or um, the President's Cup, which was in um, Australia last year. Uh, But in stroke play, it's very, very common. It's basically a hard card rule, which means it follows the players uh, at every tournament they go to. Um, saying that you can't practice on the putting green that you just played uh, after you've finished. So you tell people that you can have a practice putt and they go, oh, what? No, the pros never do that. You're not allowed to do that. Um, but it's actually it's actually a local rule on their
0: tours. So you can have a putt after after the uh, the hole. Uh, can you have a chip? Can you go back to this? you know, if you've flubbed the chip uh, as your approach and can you go and have a little chip onto the green that you've just finished on?
1: Yes, uh, you know, please don't unduly delay play, but you're allowed to have a chip. Uh, you wouldn't be able to have a, a bunker shot, uh, but you could certainly have a chip or a putt.
0: Okay, so then you've had your putt, your practice putt, you have an unduly delayed play, you move to the next uh, tee box, the, it's a par three, the greenest, the people in the, the uh, group in front are still chipping and putting and you've got a delay. Can you plop your ball down on the tee and chip it with your 58 degree at the tee markers and just have a bit of a chip around on the tee of the hole that you're about to play?
1: You certainly can. You can chip or putt around the next teeing area, you know, provided you haven't started play of the hole, you can chip or putt around the next teeing area.
0: Okay, so you can actually practice between completing the hole on the hole that you've just played and, yep. a, and around the teeing area. Yeah, you know, what's that, a couple of clubs in and around on the tee from the tee that you're about of the hole that you're about to play. Yep,
1: and I've got one more for you. Okay, this is see, so this start- is
0: this is good. This is the stuff that people are going to kind of go. Oh, right, I didn't know that. We, st- and th- this we is-
1: started on ten at uh, PK North yes. last week. Yep, we get round to the first hole. Yep, There's a very large practice putting green there. Yep, you would be allowed to practice putting or chipping around that green as well between play of the 18th green and the first tee, you'll be able to practice chip or putt around that practice putting green.
0: Okay. So talking about that example, so at Peninsula we teed off on the 10th and there is a little small putting green next to the halfway house on the 10th.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. There is too. Yeah.
0: So we scoot around there and we come back to the 16th and there's a delay on the par 3. Can I go and have a little practice putt on that putting green? That's part of the part of the halfway house on the sixteenth.
1: Yes, you can.
0: So you can practice on the course putting greens, practice greens in round, if the opportunity so exists, and you don't unduly delay play.
1: Correct, and that's under five point
0: five B. Oh, and soon this is this is where I'm starting to get excited. We're giving we're reciting numbers now. This is great. This is going to be excellent.
1: You wouldn't believe how many golf books I have. Or rules of golf books around. I have. I've got one in the lounge, one in the bedroom, one in the toilet, one in the car. <laughs>
0: I love it. I've got one more. I've got one more. One more. Uh, it's getting too long. It's getting too long. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up in a sec. But I've got one See, more. See this.
1: This is just a quickly button. This will be the hardest thing we have every time we talk. Will be actually not continuing longer than we should.
0: No, we'll 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 sharpen it up. We'll sharpen it up. It's been a good little get to know. Uh, ourselves get to know you and get to know the absolute value that we're going to bring on a semi-regular basis very good i think uh, this is going to be a good thing that we can do for everyone out there who is going to have uh, a number of questions and also get a great deal of insight into your experience in australia experience around the world where can we find you, Blakey? Where do people go and find some information if they want to engage with you outside of the My Love of Golf podcast? How do we do that?
1: The best place or the place that I seem to have built up a bit of a following is on Instagram, and that's at golfrules.questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook, uh, Golf Rules Questions. YouTube, Golf Rules Questions. And you can send me an email, uh, golf rules, golf rules dot Questions at gmail.com.
0: Mate, we'll put all those links into the uh, little notes of the podcast here and people can uh, hook up with you if they if they want to. You're happy to answer any questions, yeah?
1: Absolutely. You're more than welcome to just uh, ask Ross and Ross will ask me and we'll do it on the podcast.
0: Beautiful. Very, very good, mate. I really do appreciate uh, over an hour of time. It's uh, As you say, it's going to be interesting to uh, try and contain our enthusiasm for this uh, the hot topics of golf. Mate, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Again, any more anything more from you, mate? I think I think we've wrapped it up, mate. I think that's uh episode number one of uh yeah, the working title, hashtag working title title, Blakey and Roscoe's Rules of Golf, or Roscoe and Blakey's <laughs> Rules of Golf.
1: Uh no, it's it's I'm happy for you to go first. It's that's fine. You ask the questions and I'll and I'll knock over the answers.
0: Ah, oh, very good, mate. <laughs> very good, mate.
1: No, it has well, been really good. And uh, you know, we'll we'll bring up some other ones, some older ones, some older situations and uh Talk about them and how the rule may or may have not have changed, and uh, yeah, this is going to be good.
0: Mate, it's going to be fun. Until next time, I'll catch you, Blakey. Very good.